Before we actually begin, I want to make mention of something that may be a little bit obvious, but my first language isn't English, it's ASL. So I have a pair of interpreters here who will be voicing for me tonight. You might notice a few pauses. Those are natural pauses, it's just part of the process. Don't let them become awkward pauses. And um, they've waved me from the seven minutes. I have a little bit of an extension. So last summer, I was deeply honored to have the opportunity to go to a Lutic language and immersion camp over in Kodiak. And the camp was actually in Dig Afognak. And I remember as the weeks led up to camp, I was nervous as could be. I mean, I was so nervous because what am I? I'm a deaf person going to their language and music immersion camp. I mean, wow. I mean, that's rather audio-centered, right? I mean, where do I fit in all that? I wasn't probably likely to be overly comfortable there. And I also wanted to be able to show respect to their culture and to their people. I didn't want to create any faux pas or anything like that. So as that day got closer and closer, we flew into Kodiak, and oh, it's gorgeous out there. We boarded our skiff and headed out to where the camp was actually being held. And it was just absolutely beautiful out there. And as we got closer to the camp, I noticed there was no dock at all. <laughs> I was like, um, okay, so my very first moment of unsurety is how am I gonna get off the skiff? Realizing down the road that that was gonna be the least of my worries. So I, here I am on the skiff with all these people, and I'm kind of thinking, I'm like, oh, you go right ahead. I don't think I need to be first. I wasn't feeling overly confident. So, and then I kind of saw how they did it, so I got the idea. We got off the skiff, and, and the camp director, uh, that was Melissa, she came up to me super friendly. She's like, oh, you must be Clara. And I'm like, oh, am I that obvious? But she knew who I was, and you know, then my interpreter had just gotten off the skiff herself, so I guess that made me a little more obvious. But uh, she brought me over to the log cabin that I was going to be staying at, and follow along with her, get over there, and head on into the cabin. And there's four people already there, just kind of hanging out and talking. My interpreter said, hey, by the way, they're not speaking English. They're actually using a native language. And I thought, oh, OK. So everybody turns to look at me, and Melissa says, hey, this is Clara, and she's going to be sleeping here. Uh, would you mind introducing yourselves? So here I am, just unsure. Everybody introduces themselves, and then went on with their conversation, completely ignoring me. I wanted to be like, hey, you guys, I'm deaf. I'm part of a marginalized group. I know how this goes. I know I look white, but I'm Japanese. I've experienced oppression. Um, but no, I realized, you know, I stopped myself and thought, this trip is not about me. It's about them. So I held all of those thoughts back, and on we went. And there were a ton of elders, actually, that were there, part of the camp, and, you know, they kind of stood off a little bit. But um, one evening, one of them came up to me and said, hey, would you mind, if you're comfortable, uh, when we're in our sharing circle in the year, would you mind telling a little bit about your experience as a deaf person? And I thought, sure, I'm willing to do that, yeah, okay. So the night came, everybody's in their sharing circle talking, and somebody asked the question, hey, so you're deaf, but I just heard you laugh. Deaf people laugh? How does that work? And I'm thinking, uh, well, we can make noise. <laughs> so um, I answered things like that. It was interesting. 
to hear what they wanted to know. So after that um, experience, everybody seemed to warm up a bit more to me. They were more outgoing and friendly. And somebody, um, one of the elders came up to me and said, hey, in appreciation of you being so open and honest about your experience, we wanted you to give the opportunity to ask anything about the Alutic, to, Alutic culture that you'd like. And I thought, yes. So um, I so looked forward to meal opportunities to be able to talk to the elders. I asked a ton of questions and came to really realize that um, Anchorage here is the closest city to Alaska. And I really came to understand that. So the camping program itself actually has several, there's um, a language workshop, a music class, different things going on. And you can rotate throughout, throughout the day. And so I went into the language class and was like, oh, this is difficult. We've got Alutic, and then we've got interpreter, and it was really hard to kind of muddle through that. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to see what else is out there. And I caught the music class, and I thought, music class? You might think that doesn't fit, but I just, I was drawn to it. So I saw in the music workshop, they were dancing, telling stories in their native language, um, and with a group on the side that was drumming. And I, I took that in, and it gave me, just gave me chills to be a part of that experience. And they invited me to join. And at first, I'm like, wait, you want me to join? Do you know I'm deaf? You do know that, right? <laughs> Drumming and me might not work, but OK. So I started off like this. I didn't want to make a mistake and sound off. So I just hesitantly started to drum. And I was, but then I started to take in the dancers. And I could, I could see the story. And I felt more confident in my drumming. And I really kind of to get into it then. And, and I, I started to think about, why am I feeling so connected? And I think it, as a part of the deaf culture, we are, rhythm is really important, that sense of, of rhythm. We have a lot of drumming in our cultural uh, celebrations, in our gatherings. Uh, the Deaf College, the fight song has a drum. And it makes us feel connected in a sense of oneness. And I started to see so many parallels between my culture and the Alutic. So for example, like in the Alutic culture, if you introduce yourself, then you tell me your parents, their first name, your grandparents, their first name as well. And then what tends to happen is, oh, I know your grandma, your grandpa. Yeah, we used to sit down and chat all the time or whatever it was. And it's the exact same thing in the deaf culture. We are a very small world in the deaf community. And so if you meet somebody, you say, hey, what's your last name? And they say it, you're like, oh, I know your dad. You know, we were in the same class, we graduated together, or whatever it is. And that was another parallel that really stuck out to me. Um, in the Alutic culture, their language is a dying language. English has oppressed it, and everybody's been encouraged to speak English and their language. And that's one of the reasons that the camp was actually established. And that is very much happening to ASL as well. It's, it's important that you speak and read and write English, and that's higher valued than ASL, or you won't get hired, you won't get a job. And I, I saw that, again, very similar with my culture. And there's something, too, in the, in the deaf culture with name signs. Deaf people don't use their voices to call other people. We don't, that's not how we refer to each other. We have an actual a name sign, which is a specific identifier for who we are. And it's usually associated with our personality, given by a deaf family member or the deaf community. It, it's, it's, a, it's an honor and almost a rite of passage. My name sign, I'll tell you a bit about it. My English name is Clara, C-L-A-R-A. And my name sign is Clara, like this. 
And I was given that because I have blue eyes and also have a Japanese heritage. So that suits me. And um, native Aleutic people also have a native name and an English name. And it, both cultures experience this. Outsiders like, oh, can I have a native name? Maybe something about water? Would you mind? Come on, give me something. And, and that happens to me quite frequently too. People from outside the deaf community or whatever, they're like, or they'll try to give themselves a name sign or they'll ask me to give me one. And it said, no, these are, these are very, very cherished things and you can't just get one for free unless you're part of the community. So I remember um, feeling really sad about the ending of camp. And um, the whole time that I was there, there was one elder, uh, one elder, just one, who kind of kept his distance from me. I was, he was a little, I was a little, little intimidated by him, but he came right up to me. And I thought, uh, okay. And he was very direct in his style, and he said, did you have fun at camp? And he, I looked at my interpreter, and I was like, mm-hmm, yep, yep. I didn't voice anything, nothing. I just, mm-hmm. And he said, oh, that's good. I'm Bobby. And I said, oh, okay. Well, my English name is Clara, and my name in my, in my language is this. And he, oh, he gives me this big hug. And when camp was over, we boarded the skiff, we headed on out. And I just, I had this incredible sense of connectedness with my deaf identity, feeling so confident about who I am more than ever before. And imagine, I got that from a language and music immersion camp full of hearing people who don't sign. I mean, talk about profound. So, my name is Clara, and I am Koyana, thank you.